Hey Mitch, come and read the Drift ad. Okay, come on over. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Drift Outfitters in downtown Toronto, Ontario. Drift Outfitters is your source for all things fly fishing. From waders and boots to thread and feathers, Drift has it all. Check in on their website for their latest updates and policies regarding shopping during the pandemic. Curbside pickup for your online and phone orders is a great way to get the gear you need, and they're shipping for free across Canada on orders over 100 bucks. Visit driftoutfitters.com to learn more. Driftoutfitters.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of SoFly. It is, uh, well, it's actually the middle of October. This episode's coming out mid-November, uh, but we're back recording another episode today. My name is Mitch and we've got Yelma. Hey, everyone. And uh, Aldo couldn't join us today, but uh, we do have a very special guest on the show. We're super excited to be talking to uh, Rick Kustich is a fly fishing writer, instructor, and guide. He's the author of Hunting Muskie with a Fly and Advanced Fly Fishing for Great Lakes Steelhead, as well as four other fly fishing titles. He's also uh, featured in the film Spay Days. Rick's work has also appeared in numerous national and regional publications, including Fly Fisherman Magazine. He spent time as a fly shop owner and a fly fishing book publisher. Rick began fly fishing nearly 50 years ago on the lakes and streams of upstate New York. He's since traveled extensively to experience the finest fly fishing throughout North America and beyond, uh, but continues to find that some of the best fishing often exists in your own backyard. Rick spends a significant amount of time each year on the water and has developed a special passion for trout, muskie, and steelhead fishing in the Great Lakes and Northwest. Today, he's on SoFly. Rick, thank you so much for coming on. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Glad and, to be uh, here. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for that. Uh, I took that bio directly off your website. It was yeah. so perfectly written. I just was like, <laughs> oh, perfect. This is great. Um, but uh, yeah, we're super, super, super excited to be chatting today and uh, and talking about musky and also uh, steelhead because we are getting into that time. Um, so we're up in Toronto, and so we fish uh, we fish the the Great Lakes steelhead quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, well, pretty much exclusively in the yeah. fall. Um, this is our time to shine. So definitely Absolutely. excited to be getting into that. But uh, you, you were out today. You said you were musky fishing today? Yep, musky fishing today. Didn't It, it doesn't feel like October, that's for sure. I mean, mm. and then it's that fish no. aren't acting like it's October yet either. Um, it's wild, but, eh? Like, yeah. it's like 25 degrees out right now. Like, I'm sitting yeah. here, like, got my window open. Like, I know, it's, shorts it's, and t-shirt. Oh, man. Yeah, it just, yeah. It's so, you know, I, I, I think some cool weather's coming that, that'll uh, it'll change their attitudes a little bit. But uh, yeah, was, was able to pick up one musky today, but it was... A lot of work and uh, came close on another bigger fish, but uh, it's been it's been a grind this year so far for me, anyways. I mean that sounds like a pretty good day. I mean, like I mean for most musky anglers, you know, getting yeah. a fish and seeing a big follow, like is that yeah, kind of common for, for when you're on the water? Uh, I once we get into the fall period, I you know really do mm-hmm. kind of expect to at least get get one hook up and you know see a few other fish. Um, yeah. But even getting to that point. You know, I, I would say in the last couple of weeks had, you know, at least been hooking a, a fish pretty much every time out. Um, but it's mm-hmm. been before that, it just they were really just kind of mucked down into a summer attitude and just really haven't yeah. been moving much. So it's been well, really you know, that's tough. pretty fair. I mean, I think you're probably pretty dialed in as an angler. You know, uh, you've been fishing for quite some time. Um, so I think, uh, you know, you've you've probably put in uh, paid your dues when it comes to chasing muskie on the water. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. That's a, and it's not always pretty and it's not, you know, certainly not always easy, but, uh, yeah. 
I, it, it really is just really about the grind. It's about just keep casting, keep your head down. And, uh, you know, eventually good things happen. It's, you know, and you can go, you can go hours, you can go days without a fish. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I, I think one of the most appropriate ways of looking at it is every cast you make, you know, you're one cast closer to, to that next fish. So yeah, I think that's, that's the way you always got to look at it, whether it's going to be on that trip or the next trip out. Yeah. yeah you got to get your counters going. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. um, Okay, well, why don't we just kind of go right back and start right at the beginning of your fly fishing life? Like, how how did you get into fly fishing? And maybe we'll kind of just work through, uh, kind of chronologically, where you're at today. Well, it's kind of interesting. I mean, you know, I, I grew up, I still live in the same area where I grew up, but I grew up on Grand Island, which is an island on the Upper Niagara River. Um, and you know, basically at the end of my road, you could see Ontario right across yeah. the the West River. Um, you know, of the Niagara. And, uh, you know, growing up surrounded by water was just uh, natural that I would take to fishing. And pretty much every role model in my life was uh, a fisherman, my, my dad, my, my grandfather, my uncle, my mm-hmm. brother, my cousin, you know, everybody that kind of lived close to me would fish. So, I mean, it was just in, inevitable that I was going yeah. to be introduced to it and certainly took a passion to it for sure. And, um, you know, I, I was really self-taught with respect to fly fishing. I mean, I think anybody that is learning today and has the benefit of, you know, YouTube videos and all kinds mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, books and, and magazine articles and things of that nature, you know, I kind of lose perspective of even when I, you know, started back in uh, the early seventies, I mean, there was very mm-hmm. little, uh, you know, written. And um, so I was self-taught. I just taught myself how to cast with, a, actually on a spinning rod with a level line of all things. Wow, no way. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, really got some casting instruction out of, and I, and I know a lot of, uh, fly fishermen that started in my era, um, mm-hmm. the, the Joe or the, uh, yeah, the Joe Brooks trout fishing book you know, yeah. kind of was my Bible. And, uh, you know, I still have a tattered copy of it somewhere on my bookshelf, but <laughs> certainly, uh, you know, of the very few, um, books that were available at that time, that was very helpful to me. Yeah, you're kind of like it was like the frontier really of fly fishing at that time right like when you were getting into it you guys were also discovering like ways of doing things and the fish and like really getting into it yeah no doubt i mean you know even back you go back into that time and um, you know a lot of it was trout oriented and um mm-hmm. you know getting into these other species was a lot of that was just expanding at that time so mm-hmm. it was, you know it was an interesting time to to be involved in the sport um mm-hmm. you know i i wish i you know, knew half of, or a, you know, a tenth uh, of what I know now back then, um, I, I you know, with, with, with the less pressure on some of the rivers and things like that, uh, you know, I really could have oh, taken a good point, eh? like, that, but, um, oh my God, yeah. can you imagine? Yeah. Like knowing what you know now and having the fishing opportunities that you had back then, like you'd have some yeah. pretty epic days. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's cool. So, but I caught my first trout or my first fish on a fly rod was a uh, trout on, um, uh, in the up in the Adirondacks on a family vacation and uh, oh, nice. yeah, kind of just took off from there. You know, I just really couldn't get enough of it and just uh, every opportunity I, I had to, uh, to, to mm-hmm. fish and to fly fish, I did, I took it. So apart from, you know, having obviously just like, you know, uh, where you were proximity to water and also people in your life being fly anglers, like, was there anything else with fly fishing that just had you like, you know, entangled in, in, in kind of the, the sport and the, uh, the adventure of it all. 
again, it just all kind of came in, in, uh, mm-hmm. in steps. Uh, you know, my, my brother-in-law was a, was a big trout fisherman. He wasn't a fly fisherman, but he would take me trout fishing to trout streams down in the Southern tier as I got it, you know, before I could drive. And, um, you know, he always fished with bait. You know, I just, I just always, you know, I would see fish rising and whatnot and just always knew there was something more, you know, to the whole yeah. approach. And, you know, so that, that kind of really whetted my appetite for learning how to catch those fish on the surface and catch them with a fly. Mm-hmm. Um, and my brother, you know, was a big influence. I mean, he showed the, the steelhead book and he, he co-authored that with me. Um, mm-hmm. We both had a lot of influence on each other as fly fisherman uh, he moved um you know uh, uh he's quite a you know 12 years older than than i am and moved out of the house when i was quite young um eventually moved out west and he was in idaho and montana uh and i would visit him frequently you know it's before i could drive and then after i could drive and uh um you know that was a big influence on really expanding yeah, my fly sure. fishing yeah. yeah, and Jerry, didn't Jerry, like, go out and do the whole trout bum thing and, like, really search for, you know, basically fish, like, all the places he could fish on the continent? Yeah, yeah he really did. I, you know, he certainly d- traveled a lot during his life, but he, he lived in Twin Bridges, Montana for a number of years. He, li- he lives in Maryland now, but lived in Twin Bridges, Montana for 30 years. And um, wow. just the, the entire time out there, he just built fly rods and, uh, yeah. um, you know, first for Winston, then for his own company, Sweetgrass. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just live the trout bum, trout life, uh, trout bum life for, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, a number yeah. of years and, and did so a see, lot of traveling. Seeing your brother do that must've gotten you like pretty jazzed too. You're like, I gotta go do some of this myself. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's no question. Passion. I mean, he was the perfect big brother still is. And, uh, you know, he had a lot of influence on my life, you know, going forward. And, That's um, awesome. you know, but I think we, I think we played off of each other too. You know, I think, mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot of things that I was you know, doing, mm-hmm. you know, on the East Coast or, you know, with my travel too, that uh, influenced him as well. So it's been a good partnership that we've had all our lives. That's awesome. That's such a great uh, mm-hmm. yeah thing to have. So your yeah. first fish on the fly rod was an Adirondack trout? Yeah, it was an Adirondack, Adirondack brook trout. That's amazing. Yeah, That's pretty, amazing. pretty cool. Yeah. Which river? Do you remember which river it was? It was actually on a, on a, a small lake uh, called oh, nice. Nick's Lake. It's uh, near Old Forge, New York. Awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Oh man. And it yeah, was on a, you know, again, on a fly I had tied, it was just uh, you know, it was a damsel, some just yeah. crazy damsel fly with, <laughs> with blue yarn and some plastic wings on. I wish I still had it. That would have been a great, but, uh, but you were tying your own thing. flies at that point too. Like you yeah, got into I mean, it. There was, just, had to... there was really not yeah. that much available. Eventually I had learned yeah. that there was an Orvis store, you know, the, in, in, um, you know, close by here that I eventually started going to, but Prior yeah. lad, I mean, there was just, there was nothing. There was the herders catalog and things like that. You know, it just yeah, really yeah. wasn't, yeah. wasn't much availability. So fly fishing kind of really was, it really was just like a, you know, you heard about it from a friend or a family member and you're like, oh, I think I'll try that. It wasn't like a really an accessible thing. No, no, I really had a, I, I really had to put some effort into it to, to pursue it when, when yeah. I was that young. And then, you know, once I got into my early twenties, I mean, there started, things became more accessible, to pick you know, up. there was more yeah. books and more, uh, mm-hmm. you know, more magazines and ma- magazine articles. And like I said, there was a, and then there was a fly shop, you know, in, yeah. in an area that I could drive to. So that all really, really helped, you know, yeah. when you walk boom, into yeah. a fly shop and see a bunch of flies and materials yeah. and things like that. 
But yeah, I, you yeah, know, it's yeah. just I've just always had just a, such a passion for for fly fishing. It's something that's just never wavered either. Okay. You know, throughout never my life. Away. I mean, yeah. yeah. You know, there's some there's some ebbs and flows, but you know, it's still it's just it's where I feel comfortable. It's where I feel best when I'm out on the water. Still to this day, you know, and you know, I, and I and I think what drives me is just trying to uh, learn different things, different techniques. Um, always mm. just trying to push it a little bit. You know, it's all, that's kind of what has driven me into spay casting and spay fishing and then just musky fishing. I mean, you know, there's, yeah. you know, you can just keep pushing the limit up and pushing the, mm -hmm. the level up and that, uh, you know, keeps you motivated. Well, that's it. Like, that's it. Musky fishing, you know, like before we get into steelhead, how, how'd you get into musky on the fly? Was it just sort of a, I mean, obviously a natural progression of, I can catch these things on a fly, let's do it. But what was that, you know, for? Yeah, I think, like? I, you know, I, I, I've told this story a couple of times on, you know, to when I've had mm -hmm. these discussions, but I, so on Grand Island, there is a, and I, and I write about this in the beginning of the book, of uh, the musky book, but um, there's a, there's a fishing club there that called the Niagara River river station Niagara river station fishing club yeah. and um it's one of the oldest operating fishing clubs in in the united states and uh my uncle was a member there when i was a kid and every now and then he would you know he'd take me fishing and um you'd have to go through the clubhouse to get to his boat mm -hmm. and uh i just remember the first time going in there there was a musky mount on the wall and going in there and, and seeing this you know, it probably wasn't even, you know, probably looking back at it, it looked huge. I mean, it could have yeah. been a 42 or 45 inch or something, but it was big and yeah. protruding teeth and, you know, it's <laughs> mouth agape and everything. And it just like, yeah. I couldn't believe that that fish was in the river where, you know, we would go swimming and where we were going to go yeah. fishing and things like that. So, I mean, it, that, that captivated me right from the time I was a kid you know and I still every time I go into like if I go into a lodge somewhere and there's a, a mount whether it's a a um, you know a skin mount or you know more or less yeah. now more of them are going to be uh yeah the replicas yeah they are, they're replicas um there's a yeah I always think man there's always a story there's gotta be a story behind that fish you know and, and yeah. to me that fish on this wall was my story I mean it really you know just I still remember it to this day just walking in there and just you know my, my jaw dropping. So, um, you know, it'd be a few years before I would catch my first one, but, you know, eventually we caught a few on uh, spinning gear and we caught a few, um, you know, almost by accident, jig fishing for bass and things like that when we were really young too, because, mm -hmm. uh, we, we were, we had access to boats when we were pretty young, 12, 14 years old, you know, um, yeah. we'd be able to use, um, a neighbor or my, my good friend's boat. Uh, so we, we caught some muskies then, um, but it was probably when I was about uh, early 20s when I really started come, you know, understanding fly fishing and, and able to, to understand the different, um, you know, lines and rods that could be used um, yeah. where those kind of two things intersected. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, it, it was really, I never fished seriously for muskie with gear. You know, just mm -hmm. really the only serious fishing I've ever done for muskie has been with fly rod. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. cool to be able to say that, you know. Like, I mean, it's also such a special moment that you had in the fly shop when you were a kid. Like, I think yeah. you hit on a good point seeing that fish on the wall and the stories behind yeah. it. And, you know, like, it's true. Like, I think when you see something like that and you're like, 
I can catch that thing. And like, it, it's just like, for some reason, for some of us, it's just like, it strikes us, you know, it's just yeah. so it's in my backyard. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, that's exactly. So wild, no, exactly. Yeah, little, yeah. Literally at the end of your road. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and that it's was so just cool. such an eye opener because up to that yeah. point, I mean, I just knew there was perch and there was bass. Sure. You know? yeah. And then so. there's this shark in the river. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's awesome. Um, okay. So can, can you kind of take us through and describe like a perfect day on the water fishing muskie for you? Because I haven't, I've never musky fished. Yilma's done it once. Um, I'd love to do it sometime, but I, I just want to get this kind of idea of, you know, I've heard of 10,000 casts and it's a challenge and a grind and all this. What is the perfect day for you chasing muskie on a fly? You know, I, in, at least where I fish for them most often, it seems like the nasty, ugly days are, are musky days right. to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're generally not the bluebird days. I mean, you can catch them on those days. But just to me, that's the first thing I associate with, you know, kind of musky and musky conditions and musky weather is water that's a little off color and wind. And right. even though I don't like the wind all the time when, it, when, you, when you're fly casting and just nasty. Mm -hmm. And that's, so that's, that's the, those, those are the kind of days that really just kind of, and, and they yeah. don't have to necessarily be windy, but just overcast, maybe a little rain. Crappy weather, you know, yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but not, you know, not too terrible that, uh, you know, that, right. that becomes a, a masochistic in, endeavor. But uh, <laughs> I, do, I, do, I just do like that. I, I just like that element of, you know, kind of the weather that's going to keep a lot of yeah. other people away, too. You know? Totally, yeah. yeah. Well, there's something kind sure. of uh, adventurous about it and kind of just, I don't know, just like uh, edgy and hard, you know? Like, yeah. It is fun to be out there when it's kind of raining a little it bit. It is. It is. I, I really, I always enjoy trying to, you know, feel like you've met the conditions head on, like you've met Mother yeah. Nature head on and, you, you know, you, you conquered or at least you, you, yeah. you survived anyways. Totally. Um, you know, totally. so, yeah. but I always find those, you know, to be the, the situation, you know, that the weather, the kind of days I like, um, mm -hmm. Certainly getting a little more technical. I like, you know, I like new moon situations. I just feel like I've had better uh, luck when there's a new moon or better uh, activity with fish. Mm -hmm. I pay yeah. attention to the moon um, rises and sets during the course of the day, too. There does seem mm -hmm. to be uh, increased activity around those. Yeah, yeah see, that's interesting, you know, like. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say, Goma, Mitch, yeah, Adam Valley, uh, the guide up yeah. at uh, Algoma, uh, says the same thing. Yeah, he pays attention to yeah. that and and makes sure that he's not fishing the day after like a, a full moon. Um, yep. Yeah, it's like, like musky that. fishing has got this whole you know other layer of you know mm -hmm. paying yeah. attention to surroundings. Yeah, it it does. I mean, I you know start I look at stuff like that too in terms of trying to plan my days or planning any trips or whatnot. But yeah, that those three or four days after a full moon could be really good, especially for bigger fish. And that's that's kind of proven out over the years. I mean, there's no guarantees with any of that stuff, but um, yeah. you know, there's tendencies there that you try to take advantage of. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. So interesting. So, you're out on the water. You know, the fishing's a little bit slow for musky in your typical spots. Is there something you do to remedy that situation, or is it sort of just like? perseverance keep going yeah um that's a good question <laughs> i mean you know a lot of it is just keep casting uh yeah. but yeah. some of it is you, you know there's a certain element that you do want to have some confidence mm -hmm. that you know where you're fishing and you know the areas that you're in are you know areas that are going to produce or potentially going to produce so i mean i think there is a certain amount of 
hitting different spots, hitting a, a variety of spots, um, and really just trying to trying to get some flow during the course of the day. Um, mm. You know, if you start seeing fish in one spot versus another, you know, then coming back to that, hitting it, you know, hitting that area again, you know, mm. letting it rest, hitting it, you know, hitting it again, though, I think is, uh, you know, the way I kind of approach it, you know, really just, I, it should never, in as much as you don't always get much, a lot of feedback in the course of a day. And, you know, if you're lucky and, you, you know, you're really, you know, finding an active situation, I mean, you may see, you know, multiple fish in a day. I mean, there's days when you might see five, six, seven fish in a day. Yeah. Um, but most of the time it's not that. It's, you know, a couple encounters and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it should never, even if you're not getting that positive feedback, it should never be a, haphazard situation you shouldn't just be needle in the haystack you know you should always my feeling is always have a purpose for where you are um and there should be a reason why you're there and whether it's um you know because of the structure or bait or you know both um you know seeing fish knowing that fish are usually there on the and you know a year in year out basis at a certain given time um, mm-hmm. you know, those, those things should all count towards where you're going to fish, but you shouldn't just be, you know, just, uh, haphazardly covering the water. Right. Yeah. Just so, casting anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Rick, you know, if you could maybe help me figure this one out, I uh, asked, you know, I've been asking a lot of people this, why when a muskie hits your fly, it just hits it and leaves it and doesn't bite it. So many times, so many missed opportunities. You've missed the fish. Yeah. <laughs> you missed the fish. It just hit. You can feel it. It's like, I mean, this hook is huge. Y- yeah. You know, and it goes right for it, and then it just does not connect. And it happens. It happened maybe on that day that I was fishing. And then let me tell you, it was not a hyperbole. It was 10,000 casts. <laughs> I think um, out of all those casts, five times I've got, I got a swipe and I got a nice pull, a nice tug, and nothing on my line. It's like they were just saying hello, goodbye. You know, there's there's no one way that a muskie ever takes a fly. I mean, there's there's you know you see pretty much everything from um, you know the the perfect situation where a fish takes it and turns on it, you know, and you get a good corner of the mouth hook set to mm-hmm. a fish that'll grab it and kind of keep coming at you and create so much slack that you know you it's hard to get it tight before they drop it. Um, and you know, I see a lot of those where you know that they'll come up and take kind of a, a, a turn or a swipe at it, you know, get connect with a piece of it. I'm not sure if they're just trying to, you know, just get a piece of the, of the fly right. um, or, you know, what they would think is bait at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you that, you know, there's just, you know, no one reaction fits all, but the one thing that, mm-hmm we always try to do is just really strip set hard. Anytime you, you right. get a right, fish yeah. to grab, you know, just strip, 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 and mm-hmm. you're either going to pull it out of its mouth or you're going to, you know, mm-hmm. get it to bury get in it there good. somehow. And, yeah. um, you know, what? normally when I, you know, I got a couple of partners that I fish with, Nick Pinesa being one of them, and, you know, we'll we'll just coach each other. If we know one one of us has hit a fish, just strip, 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 strip. You know, yeah. and, and just don't stop until, you know, you're using 30 to 50 pound test, um, you know, leader, you're, you're basically not going to break it. So you just keep yeah. stripping until, you know, one of those things happens. So that's really the, you know, the, 
about all you can do is strip set on them. And yeah, hopefully it's yeah. going to bury in there somewhere. The other thing too, that I've really learned about is not all hooks are the same. Um, yeah. And, right. you know, I like to use a, a hook that has a long, straight, fine point, something that really gets good penetration. I've, no, I've found mm -hmm. some of them that have just a little bit of curve at the end, just don't seem to penetrate as deeply. So I found a couple of hooks that I really like that um, get that. So, I mean, those are the types of things that, um, but in terms of, you know, if a fish comes and swipes at it and just doesn't <laughs> grab it all the way or take it, mm -hmm. I, it just kind of, Well, know, it sounds kind of like Yilma's luck. trout setting, trout yeah. setting the hook didn't, Justice. No, I wasn't not trout good setting. <laughs> I was strip I setting. I, I I felt like the like those those beats were just playing with me the whole time. There are sometimes though. I, <laughs> no, I'm you know I'm not saying it because it's it's really not always yeah, that yeah. simple. Um, yeah. right. You know, sometimes they just you know they they get it in their mouth and they just don't sure, sure. take it all the way. I had mm -hmm. I actually had one on a figure eight a couple weeks ago that did the same thing. I mean, I even I had it on GoPro and I have gone back and watched oh. it and I'd go how oh, did wow. that thing not and I actually <laughs> see the fish go up grab oh, the back of the fly and I mean it looks like it has a good back end of the fly and I had a hook in the back there and just he didn't just didn't get hooked. So I I don't Dang. know. I don't know how they can do it. So it, it does happen, I know. And there's other times where I think they just take a swipe at it to yeah, you know to, yeah, you know maybe take a piece out of it. Yeah, kind of yeah. an aggressive aggression thing. Yeah, that was a great day, I must tell you, Rick. Yeah, it sounds oh, like yeah. it. Oh yeah, it yeah. sounds like it. it. Sounds like you need to get back there. Yeah, I was <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Mitch, you coming? Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I'm down. I'm I'm yeah. down. I've never like I said, I haven't musky fished, but I actually there's a couple things I'm wondering when it comes to it. One, the other thing was uh, we've covered a bunch, but the other thing was do how how much do fly patterns matter? Like, does, does the pattern matter? Is it more of a color thing? I, well, I'll tell you, I, I think, I think yes and no. Um, I, I think there are times where if you get just a reasonable fly pattern in front of a fish that's ready to eat, you know, I think it would eat a wide range of patterns. And then I do think there are times where, you know, specific flies, especially when the water's clear, um, and um, yeah, but when, when the fish are a little more wary, where I do really think that it does make a difference. Um, yeah, you know, and even in the, I've been fishing with some pretty clear conditions the last uh, few weeks, and um, you know, I, st I I went to smaller flies. I've been using more like Blaine's Game Changer style flies. Oh yeah, nice. And uh, yeah, you get a little bit more of that uh, side to side action with them. They just look a little more injured, and they're just more subtle. And it, you know, it seems like it's made a difference in this clear water the last couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah, That's there's no question that, you know, and then there's another, uh, good friend of mine, Joe Goodspeed that I fish with a bit. Um, he makes these, uh, ha these flies that have, uh, goop on the head and, uh, um, right, yeah. yeah, they, and it just forces when you strip it, even just a light strip, it just kind of forces them to go side to side and up and down. It just looks like an injured bait. And again, right. you know, in, in certain situations where the fish aren't being real aggressive, you know, those style of flies mm -hmm. have seemed to produce better than, uh, and those are pretty small too, but they have, yeah. do seem to produce better than just your typical big, you know, bucktail, uh, saddle hackle type flies, which, you know, I've done very well right. on over the years, but it does seem to be important to have some variety. Yeah. 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 For sure. 
Yeah. Well, you know, I'm sure a lot of a lot of people listen and heard me ask, Do the, does the fly matter? And they're shaking yeah. their head. Of course it matters, but I think yeah. it just matters in a different way. Like you're saying, action and mm-hmm. um, you know how the how it manipulates water yeah. and all this sort of stuff. Because they're so crazy. Musky flies are so wild looking. Yeah. I've seen some crazy looking musky flies. Yeah. All, all that you know. being said, I'm not a big fly changer, so you know I. Right. I, I do like to try to get a few. That's, I mean, that's probably yeah. true with most most of my fishing. But try to get a you know a, a, just a repertoire of flies that I'm comfortable with and uh, yeah. stick to them. Yeah. Same here. Same here. Yeah. But I, I think it. Yeah. For, for me, it's just laziness. <laughs> yeah. Just to switch it up. Changing the fly. <laughs> nice. Well, you know, there's something um, to that though. I mean, that's not even the laziness yeah. factor of, yeah. you know, when I when I'm. You know, that's just really, I, I think in terms of it, I mean, it's crazy, but, you know, my take, and I usually use for muskies now, I just use a, you know, a snap anyway, so it doesn't take long to change a fly. But you think in terms of that two minutes of digging through your box, that's a, that's one less cast you could have made with the other fly. And, you know, you just never know what, uh, you know, whether exactly. whether that is worth it or not. But I, I, yeah. I make, I, I think you can get to a point where you know that your fly just isn't getting it done and that's when it's time to make a change. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. You can kind of just tell, yeah. when, you know, when things are getting working. stale and just, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Big time. Do you happen to remember what your biggest musky has ever been over the years? With that, with that little Rick looking at the wall. Yeah. Musky yeah. I, I was fortunate enough. This is fishing with Blaine back in 2014, but I did get one that was 54 inches with him. Oh, yeah. smokes. So it's a big fish. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a good one. Um, wow. and, uh, yeah, it's hands and head and shoulders. So uh, the, the largest that I, that I've taken. Mm-hmm. Jeez, so, man. I'd like that's to, wild. yeah, I don't know if I can ever, I mean, that's a thing. There's not much to shoot for there. It's gonna be hard to beat that one, but. I'd like to yeah. <laughs> to come close again someday. Well, yeah, that's the thing with fishing, right? You never know, I guess. Yeah. Right? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, before we move on to steelhead, have you noticed with the musky fishery uh, improvements or degradations, or you know, because you you've been fishing for for a while, like have you seen the fishery change? Uh, are there you know, less I, fish? Or I, on an fish? overall basis, um, you know, I, I would I would venture, I guess, and this is based on just the research I did when I was doing when I was writing that book, mm-hmm. that there's probably a better chance of catching a muskie today than there probably ever has been historically. I just think that um, you know there was a there was a number of fisheries that were really you know hindered and destroyed in the late 1800s, early 1900s. You know, overfishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, degradation of um, spawning grounds, things of that nature. Um, but, you know, in the maybe 1950s, 60s, you know, there was a number of programs put in place to try to restore fisheries, you know, mm-hmm. hatcheries were uh, used, but just greater protection for the fish, um, you know, along with, with stocking and, you know, stocking to a point where maybe they're, they don't need to be stocked any longer. But just the expansion of the fish too, you know, originally I think they're, the, the, the original range was just, um, you know, two provinces and 13 states. And now I think there's 26 states that have, you know, musky populations and, uh, you know, they've really expanded. And a lot of those situations just aren't, they're not all, um, supported through hatcheries. I mean, they may have been established through hatcheries, but some of them have developed good wild fisheries as well. So, I mean, there's certainly a lot more water that has muskies in than, than has historically. And then I just think mm-hmm. with the advent of catch and release and, and greater uh, um, 
regulations that there's bigger, you know, big fish everywhere too. So, yeah, I really, I really think that, you know, this is kind of the golden age of musky fishing, to be honest with you. Oh man, that's so good to hear, you know, like we're so used to hearing, you know, sad stories and, and, you know, problems facing fisheries. It's great to know the muskie are on on the up potentially. But, but you know, the, the thing about them is, is big and vicious looking as they are. I mean, they're, you know, the, the fisheries, every one of their fisheries are sensitive. You know, and, yeah. um, you know, certainly uh, can only take so much either fishing pressure or, you know, outside mm. environmental influence. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Something to protect, you yeah. know, keep fighting to protect them and, yeah. and keep growing the yeah. population. Yeah, for sure. absolutely. Okay. So switching over to steelhead, when, what are your first memories of chasing steelhead? Like you must've been pretty young living on Niagara. Yeah. Um, um yeah. Yeah. I can remember catching my first, you know, steelhead in the lower Niagara, you know, and it wasn't, wasn't on fly gear. I, I will say that, uh, you know, the, my first, my first steelhead were caught on egg sacks and, uh, you know, yeah. somewhere in the, you know, early to middle seventies. But, uh, yeah. you know, I did, again, didn't do much of that either though. I really converted over to, to fly fishing, you know, probably by the late seventies, early eighties, um, with respect to even down in the lower Niagara. And, you know, we would fish it down there with uh lead core line, actually and, uh, a product. I still have some of it. It was a Cortland product called LC 13. It was uh 13 grains per foot. It was uh, just a plastic oh, coated wow. lead core. And we'd make <laughs> tips out of that. And, uh, yeah. we just fish egg patterns off of those tips. But, uh, yeah. you know, that's how I caught my first on a fly down there. And then, uh, yeah you know, started catching some on egg patterns, uh, you know, on some of the other Lake Ontario tributaries in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, so then it was all single hand, uh, like you say, fishing these heavy lines with egg patterns. Absolutely. Just yeah. Just chucking them out there. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool. All single hand. Probably. I'm, try, I'm trying to even think then I don't even think there was 10 footers at that point. You know, it's probably just all nine foot rods, eight and a half, yeah, nine foot pretty... rods. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, okay. So before we go into kind of the, cause I want to, I want to talk about that some more and how things progressed from a fly fishing standpoint, but yeah. just for everybody listening that might not know what, what are Great Lakes steelhead? Like, can you just kind of set up what they are? Well, they, they originated, Great Lakes steelhead originated from, uh, McLeod river fish on the West coast. Right. Um, the first eggs came from, uh, came into, uh, a, a hatchery in New York State, um, Caledonia Hatchery. It's about an hour from where I live. Um, and Seth Green was cool. was like the the, the uh, godfather of uh, fish culture. Um, was the uh, the bra- you know kind of the impetus behind that. And you know there was at a time when uh, um, the railroads were being used to transport fish from various ends of the, the continent and just to, mm-hmm. and that was really, a, it was a, uh, effort by the, um, U S uh, fishing game to, to, uh, spread fish out species out throughout different places that didn't have that species. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, as part of that, the, you know, that these eggs came to New York state. And, um, so they really were steelhead genetics that were first yeah. stocked and they were stocked eventually all those those fish made it to all five great lakes uh yeah. where they 
began to naturally reproduce by the end of the 1800s in all five of the lakes. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and, you know, and populations deter, you know, you know, especially in Michigan and Ontario, uh, were established from, from that time on, you know, there's, there's natural, there's been natural reproduction since then. Uh, and yeah. then in early seventies, especially when Lake Ontario and Lake Erie, um, you know, even to in Lake Michigan, we're going through some really difficult times with, uh, you know, the balance of the, the, the uh, mm-hmm. bait fish and things like that, you know, being way out of whack. And there, there were stockings of uh, Chinook salmon and coho salmon. There was also a, an additional, you know, int- reintroduction, reintroduction of, of steelhead stock again um, during that period. And in New York State, they were using, a, again, a steelhead genetics, a Chambers Creek uh, fish. Yeah. And... Um, you know, then that's still that genetics is still in the, the New York system, anyways. So, yeah. so there's always a debate on, you know, are these yeah, really steelhead? Yeah. Um, to me, <laughs> good I, question. Yeah, to to me, I always think of it in, in in terms of this that these fish originated from the West Coast. They originated from steelhead stock. Um, I have never got a definitive definition from a biologist that says a steelhead is an anadromous mm-hmm. fish mm-hmm. most biologists will tell you that it's a migratory fish a fish that has right. an urge to leave its natal waters to in search of you know food source mm-hmm. um so from those two perspectives i mean i you know or for those two reasons i think they've earned the name steelhead and yeah. it's deserved it in the great lakes yeah, and I love I love this idea of their Great Lakes steelhead. Yeah, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. like they're 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 different. Yeah, and it's like that's what's special about them. Right, that you could catch these things in tribs of the Great Lakes. Like that's it's a whole other kind of steelheading. You know, exactly. Yeah, and no, all that I think they they've developed. I mean, I think you, it it really I think deserves expanding whatever definition that steelhead might have been in the 1970s, mm-hmm. whatever that meant, or in the you know late 1800s, 1900s, and you know I think it needs to encompass Great Lakes fish just because I don't see mm-hmm. any real difference in how they behave or how they act outside of the fact that they're just not going to salt water. You know? And that's so cool that these things came and they it just worked, you know? Like, yeah. It's just wild that, like, they were going from the ocean to these, you know, rivers and we put them in the Great Lakes and they just, like, took it off. It's like, oh, okay, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Salmon, too. It's just, it's, that's always been so amazing to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. But, um, yeah, so I, I, that's, I don't know, that, that that debate can rage on and it doesn't matter to yeah. me. You know, it really doesn't matter to me because, you know, they act no. the same and, they look the same and they fight the same and they take the same flies and you know so yeah it's so fun it's just a bit of fun little yeah. rivalry right yeah. between us and the west coast people yeah <laughs> yeah it's all good but um okay so you know you you started fishing for steelhead with uh with the single rods and lead lines and and all that stuff and when when did spay kind of hit when did you start spay fishing like when did it hit so here? you know my first experience with that would have been about the mid 19 about by 1995 i guess okay 1990 it's 90 i i was trying to really because i've been writing something relative to this i was really trying to i might have been like 93 to 9 somewhere in the 93 to 95 range 
Okay. And um, I had this big old St. Croix rod. It was like a 15 foot you know, for a 10 weight or something like that. But again, there wasn't all, yeah. you know, again, not a lot out on the market right at that time. And uh, yeah. that's what I had. And, you know, and I had a big old double taper line and, you know, right away, I mean, it was kind of cool. And I, and I saw the potential in two handed rods, but it just, I, right away, I could tell this just isn't right for what I'm trying to accomplish here. Um, yeah. So, not too long after that, though, I I started working with uh, Jerry Seam at Sage Rods, and um, you know I, I just really it's interesting because back then, just like we were talking about with, with Steelhead now, and you know maybe not getting full appreciation back then, mm-hmm. a lot of manufacturers didn't take the Great Lakes very seriously. They weren't taking the fishery very really? seriously. Um, you know, just kind of thought it was chucking ducking and snagging salmon and all that kind of stuff right and uh you know it was really took some time to get some of the manufacturers to understand that there was you know some quality opportunities here so um you know jerry really got on board and and started working with him and and we developed uh some smaller shorter rods and uh i still have um you know, one of one of those uh, here today. I mean, it was a, it, it was really one of the first switch rods. It was, um, I think, what is it? It's ten. Uh, it's eleven foot three inch, and it was made for an eight weight, but it casts like, you know, nice uh, about a yeah. about a four eighty uh, uh, Scandi now, and um, just it's a real soft rod and everything. But it was really one of the first, you know, shorter rods, and it really matched up mm-hmm. very well. And I probably was using that by the late nineties and that was just a, that was a huge step forward, you know, for me and what I was trying to do in terms of fishing the great lakes rivers. Uh, but at that time too, there still wasn't any lines. So what I did is I lined that up with a, uh, with a pike taper, you know, just a, like an 11 weight exaggerated weight forward pike taper. And it was kind of similar to a Skagit line really, uh, in that it did, you know, it was just a short head and turned everything over and, you know, I'm sure my casting was not very good back in those days, but I got it done. And, uh, you know, so that was by the late nineties, that was, that was my rig right there. It was this, uh, short sage rod and, uh, and a pike taper, a red pike taper Cortland line. I still have it around here. <laughs> That's so, cool. It's yeah. so like, uh, yeah, it's so, uh, you know, gritty and, uh, you know, just getting, get the job yeah, done, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's cool. So then, you know, then I guess by the early, you know, two thousands, you know, the Skagit type had started yeah you know, first it was wind cutters and then you know and then the skagits followed after that right. yeah it's cool and in the community like other people fly fishing and stuff like that was spay kind of picking up for everybody as well and like you know kind of uh following your lead yeah not not then not in the late 90s early 2000s so you know just a couple of my friends were starting to pick it up but it was uh you know still wasn't very popular still wasn't real you know a lot of equipment you know, then. Yeah, 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 yeah. Probably until. That's kind of cool, though. Like, you know, you and your buddies had this, like, kind of little best kept secret yeah. going on because you were probably finding that the spay fishing was doing, helping the fish and, yeah. like, actually catching more fish, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'd say by the you know, early 2000s, you started seeing, right. you know, a few more people. And there was, there was, you know, TNT was coming out. I'm just trying to even remember TNT came out with some shorter rods and everybody started getting on to at least the, 12 Pioneer. and a half, 13 footers. Yeah. You know, yeah. 
And I'm calling knobs. you the pioneer, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> or at least part of the, a, at least part of the movement, anyways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, part of the movement. Oh, yeah. It was uh, it was uh, it was an interesting time for sure. And uh, you know, then you know, obviously more and more people you know taken to it since then. Um, yeah, really, yeah. I think the the bigger thing was is uh, back then is everybody was still dead drifting. You know, the fly fishermen that you would see were pretty much dead drifting mm-hmm. egg patterns and nymph patterns and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, yeah. So whether you were doing it with, I think the real revolution there that I think occurred and then, you know, has really, you know, occurred over the last 20 years has been just towards swinging flies and, you know, yeah. whether it's with a single hander or a, a two hander, you know, I think that's been the, the biggest change that I've seen is just how many, and really now, you know, how many people are just swinging flies is, uh, Oh yeah. You know, really big change i know it's crazy like you know even just for us like it's a huge part of our year i mean for me it's like fall comes everything else kind of goes away Mm -hmm. which i know there's great like you're saying musky i need to do that and i smallmouth fishing's great and all this stuff but i get so excited to just go swing yeah even if i'm not catching a steelhead it's just such an enjoyable way to fish you know um would you say you prefer like actually prefer swinging to other types of fishing or is it kind of everything on an even playing field um, yeah, I really enjoy so many, I love the, I love the variety, but yeah. there is something so calming yeah. about swinging a fly, you know? Yeah, it's nice. You know, and I think, uh, I always think in terms of it is, you know, you know, if you do it first, it's just enjoyable to, you know, cast and step and, you know, really attend to your fly and try to make sure that it's. I always try to envision what my fly is doing and how it's looking down there yeah. and how it's showing itself and whatnot. And it's so captivating. Um, and, uh, you know, I just think that if you're, you do that and you, you know, kind of the catching the fish is just a, you know, byproduct of that, mm. you know, you just yeah. really do it well and you'll know, kind of look at it as a, almost as a craft and, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. you know, everything else kind of just falls into place. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head with um, thinking about your fly because I can't even tell you how many times, and Yoma will know that we've been swinging steelhead, yeah. and we're not thinking about our fly. We're like looking at birds, yeah. like the trees, <laughs> and like tangling up yeah. and whatever else, thinking about sandwiches and yeah. stuff. And you know, you don't, you know, you might not catch. And as soon as you start thinking about what that fly's doing, you start to realize you start to catch more fish. Yeah, like you actually, you it actually does help. You know, yeah, so it's. A, totally. I mean, it might sound obvious, but think about what your fly's doing. Yeah, envision yeah. it underwater. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great point. Yeah, no, I just, um, yeah, just trying to, yeah, that's just, before uh, before Sims used the term, I, I actually put that in one of my books, but just, you know, in terms of, and it was it was something really that um, my, my business partner in the fly shop used to kind of talk about, but just, you know, just fish it well, you know, mm-hmm. just fish your fly yeah. well and good things will happen. And I, that really applies to, to me, it really applies to spay fishing, you know. Yeah. So wait, we got some beef here right now, eh? Like Sims is stealing this fish well from you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. These fly companies, I know. Man, they they don't they <laughs> So they paid they paid some high price Madison Ave. Oh uh, yeah. Executive Somebody come up with that. Up they could have just took it out of my book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that guy probably did. Yeah, he probably did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah, um, Mitch, I'm a big a proponent of uh, yeah. of imagining and visualizing yeah. exactly what that fly is doing always always and it, it really does help it really really does 
Just wanted to add. Well, that especially your streamer fishing that you were you were doing streamer fishing so much for trout this year on oh, yeah. on our local rivers, and you know, I yeah. imagine that is exactly the same thing, right? Exactly the same thing. Um, usually, a lot. I visualize a lot when I'm pike fishing. That's when I really like. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah get you know get get all. It's good. Ethereal, right? So. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's right. true. I mean, I think that's yeah. you know when when I'm trying to teach anybody uh, swinging a fly, you know, I think that's really the the biggest lesson I can try to teach them is you know mm-hmm. think about what because yeah. you you see so many people that just throw it out there and think, well, my job's yeah. done. You know what I mean? I'll, yeah. You, you know, just kind of hang on and wait for that fish to grab it. But I mean, you nope. you know, you really just need yeah. to know what's going on down there. You know, in terms yeah, of yeah, you know, whether you need to mend, you know, upstream, downstream, not mend at all. Uh, you know, whether you're you're making good casts in terms of, uh, you know, getting too much speed, not enough speed. I mean, it just always need to be thinking about those things, and it really, over the course of a day, pays pays off. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Um, okay, I'm gonna put you on the spot for a second here. Uh, you know, steelhead fishing stories. We're getting into the fall. It's kind of a, you know, it feels like kind of a, a, a reminiscing, kind of reflecting time, steelhead fishing. Do you have any good steelhead stories that come to mind from over the years? Anything that stands out as like this one day on the river or this one fish or anything like that? Oh, boy, that's, that is putting me on the spot. Um, oh, I know there's so many stories, but I just like, I've been thinking so much about it because, like I said, we're getting into steelhead and I've just been thinking about to the last few years and, you know, thinking about those spots and getting back out there and. Yeah, I, you know, I uh, um, one that I and one that I always think about, and it, it really it's it's kind of coming up to this kind of year. I, I so I've spent a lot of time out in BC as well, and um, you know, and unfortunately, you know, the the fishery out there is really taking a you know mm-hmm. turn in a negative way, and you can only hope that it's uh, you know not going to be systemic, but. Uh, hope for the best but you know i've spent a lot of time out there and i've really enjoyed it's one of the places i've enjoyed fishing the most um so one story that sticks out in my mind it's not you know it's just really i don't want it to sound self-serving but uh it, it, um there was uh we were i was fishing out of a lodge and there's a pool that uh has really a high bank you kind of you you can't step off the bank very far, or you're gonna just kind of, you know, just right. you, you gets too deep. I mean, and, it, and it's it's terrible wading. There's uh, boulders all the way along it, and uh, oh, it's just it's really it's a tough spot to fish. But it reminds me so much of fishing in the Niagara because it's yeah. the same thing. You know, you don't have much. You know, even there, even spay casting down the Niagara, you, you'll go and set up your D loop and it'll hook on a rock or on a branch or something like that. So I've really developed, a, you know, kind of a technique and it's not anything earth shattering, but, you know, kind of use a little peri poke to push my anchor point further yeah, out yeah. so that my D loop doesn't really come, you know, very far behind me or behind me at all, you know, and it just works and I do it all the time. So, I mean, it's, you know, kind of second nature. Well, nobody wanted to fish this spot because, you know, it was just such pain and, you know, 
you know, they were, their D loops are getting caught in the bank and everything. So I said, all right, I'll fish it. So it ends up turning out that, you know, just kind of using my little Niagara river technique down there, I end up having this tremendous day where I, you know, during the course of the day, I hook like six fish and, you know, the guide guide would come and check on me and I, you know, he'd say, you want to move? And I'd say, no, I'm okay. I'm okay over here. You know, and he, he was thrilled <laughs> yeah. because, you know, he, he didn't have to worry about moving me around and, Mm -hmm. I was, I was taking up a spot that nobody else ever fished. So it was, uh, yeah. you know, one of those things that using a little local, uh, great lakes knowledge really helped out. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. And for people at home listening that might not know what a peri poke is just cause I know you touched on it. What, what is that in terms of the spay cast, like peri poking your anchor point? So it's almost like a, it's almost like a false forward cast where you would, you would kind of set up your your d loop and ready to mm -hmm. kind of you know to to make your cast but instead you yeah. kind of just do almost like a a soft forward stroke you know almost like a, a false cast mm -hmm. going forward and what it does yeah. is just mm -hmm. lays you know some of the line out on the water where then you can yeah. you know reestablish your your d loop i you know it's most useful for if you kind of bungle your setup well, you know, when you're setting mm -hmm. up your, your cast and maybe your, uh, anchor point is, you know, too far up or too far down, or, you know, especially if it's in a situation where when you, if you do set up your D loop and make your cast, it might collide with your body, which we all want to avoid. So, I mean, it's, it's, oh, yeah. it's a good, it's a good movement for, uh, kind of reestablishing your D loop. But what I, what I try to do, you know, when I have, um, a wall right to my back is I don't I don't get a full D loop so I'll, I'll do all my setup but instead of going into a full D loop I just kind of just take the rod back a little bit so the lines kind of just draping right off the rod and not going behind me and then I what I use right. is just kind of push that forward with it so it's kind of a kind of a semi parry poke where I just kind of push it forward so that I can push my anchor point out maybe 20 feet in front of me and uh yeah and then and then i can establish my d loop from there and it doesn't go behind my body so that's great yeah. that's great to know yeah i mean that's it's, it's awesome about spay casting is just the versatility yeah, of it yeah it is around. yeah yeah for sure um okay so you owned a fly shop for a while you were a fly shop owner yeah so that was it was the oak orchard fly shop so we started let's see uh an individual called named Jerry Senegal started this small shop in his uh, in his house. It was an old farmhouse, kind of a neat old farmhouse, up in Al mm -hmm. near Albion, New York, right on the Oak Orchard Creek. Um, awesome. And we bought that from him in like 1995, and um, yeah. we ran that shop up there. We moved it into a uh, beautiful old building. It was this old post office up there. And, uh, we moved the shop in there and had some lodging. Um, we had another shop down in the southern tier, down at one of the trout streams in, in Arcade, New York. Um, and then we kind of pulled that all together and, and moved it into a suburb of Buffalo in Williamsville. And um, yeah, I owned the shop for another, with a, with a partner for another seven or eight years after that, um, and then sold it. The shop was in existence for another, I don't know, maybe 10 years after that, but it did recently shut down unfortunately okay right on. so yeah yeah but but it had a good solid run and it was a good yeah experience yeah overall. it was a good solid run um you know i think 
there, there was just sort of some circumstances that, um, you know, occurred in my life personally that, uh, kind of took me in a different direction or it's, it's something yeah. that I still, uh, you know, there's, there's oftentimes where I think, God, I wish I still had the shop or would have kept the shop, but, uh, you know, yeah. just, just so happened to work out that way, but it was a good experience. Learned a lot. That's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And I, I mean, you know, amidst all of this too, you're a well-established fly fishing writer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how, how did you get into that? Like why, why, how did your writing career begin? Uh, it's a, that's a good question. I, I guess, you know, I always was interested in that. I remember reading like outdoor life, Ted true blood. I don't know if that, you know, yeah. that names too, uh, yeah. old, you know, too, too old for you guys. But, uh, um, you know, just, I just remember like reading about some of their experiences in like outdoor life and field and stream and things of that nature. And yeah. I, I don't know. just, kind of spoke to me I always thought it'd be cool to write about your you know do your do your thing and write about your experiences so I always had that in the back of my mind and you know when I got to a point where I thought I had enough enough to write about I started pursuing it so and you know and I in the first book I did was uh you know it's old and it just I I'm almost you know, look at it now and almost ashamed of it. You know, it, it, you know, I wrote it when I was in my late twenties or something like that, although it was, uh, still a really good selling book. And, and, uh, I think brought a lot of knowledge to, there was just nothing on the great lakes fishery, you know, nothing on technique, yeah. nothing on, you know, with respect to fly fishing. So it really filled yeah. a niche and a filled a void. And, um, you know, it's, it's, but my, you know, I, my writing and, you know, hopefully has come a long way since then, but, uh, so th- this is no, this no. Is there was one. Book? There was a one before that that I uh, oh. published. I self-published it in, uh, geez, like nineteen ninety or something like that. It'd be hard to oh, find right on. one now. I think anywhere, but uh, well, we sold oh, it. Man, I find we sold it. a ton of them. But yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. it's it's not you know like I said, I'm not uh, not proud of it now. Oh, yeah. Probably was proud of it back then. But oh yeah, that's I mean that's a that's a huge yeah. accomplishment, and I think it. Like you said, kicked off kind of your fly it, fishing writing career. It did, right? and you know, from there was able to start selling a lot of magazine articles um, after that point yeah. as well. So it really did right help. on. But, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, but no, I was quite proud of that the the steelhead book that that I wrote with my brother. We did we put a lot of research and a lot of work into that over the years. Um, I think yeah, you know, that one was uh, I talked about like the expansion of uh, swinging, you know, fly in in the great lakes and i really think that and we both feel that that had a lot to do with that i think um certainly yeah. oriented a lot of people towards the fact that there was more ways to catch steelhead outside of just you know dead drift and an egg banner mm-hmm. so. yeah this book so by the way i'm holding up uh, is fly fishing for great Lakes steelhead an advanced look at an emerging fishery uh it's a great book it's awesome and it's actually uh yeah, like you say, it covers it covers so many different uh, watersheds. How long did it take you guys to write this? Yeah, book? it was probably probably a good three year project, something like that. And we right really on. did cover a lot of places. It was a lot of travel, um, and yeah, it was a, an enjoyable time with my brother. We spent a lot of time, you know, both fishing together and traveling together, and uh, have a lot of yeah. you know a lot of good adventures from that. Yeah, oh, that's an awesome experience. Yeah, and like, and it's all documented in a book now. You can. You kind of have this thing you can look back and yeah, remember those exactly. times that's that's an awesome project yeah, to do exactly I love that yeah there's actually a chapter in here on the grand river which is uh kind of our home waters yep. uh 
and there's uh, Yilma. I'll, I'll have to get you this book. There's a picture of Larry Halleck oh, yeah. fishing uh, topwater <laughs> yeah. flies for steelhead on the yeah. Grand, and it's cool to see that, you know, because like we we've had Larry on the yeah. show, and we've yeah. talked to him a bunch about you know steelhead and the work he's done on the Grand yeah. to to kind of help uh, you know bring it back, and um, it's just cool to look back and see see him in there fishing and absolutely you know, see where the Grands come. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Larry's been a great friend for a very long time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, really back probably well before that project even started and uh yeah he's a great guy yeah he is oh yeah yeah larry's awesome um in terms of just you know maybe to close out the steelhead conversation problems facing them i know we touched on like the west coast but when it comes to great lake steelhead um i mean i I don't know maybe as a stupid question have you seen the steelhead fishery degrade like um i mean back back in the day it was uh from what i've read quite an amazing fishery yeah, I, I guess you know it, it, you need to measure what what um, is quality, you know, in terms of for each individual person. Um, right. You know, if I look at like the New York fishery and Lake Erie, and uh, you know, kind of the heyday in the late '90s and through the 2000s, there was just you know tons of fish. You know, a lot of it was. You know, very hatchery driven and um you know so whether that's a measure of quality or not that you have tons of fish you know right it, to me it's not necessarily the case i mean i, I like the, the thought that uh you know there's a a decent number of fish for your for the river that you're fishing um it seems to you know kind of balance out the number of people that are fishing and um balances out the the quality of your experience and you know what you mm-hmm. what you can expect so from that standpoint at least you know i would say on you know some of the lake erie and new york streams the last you know four or five years the returns have been pretty solid i think you know and because i i do like seeing a you know where it's possible i do like seeing a balance of wild fish um you know we, sure, yeah, yeah. we don't have the water quality in new york that you certainly have in Ontario. I mean, there's nowhere, it's not even anywhere near, but we do have, you know, a few, you know, a couple rivers that, you know, do have the ability to produce wild steelhead. And I do like the idea that those rivers won't be flooded with hatchery fish to a point where the wild fish matter. And, um, yeah. you know, right now I, I do see that at least on, you know, my home rivers that that's kind of the case, you know, where this, you know, we're getting decent returns of wild fish and, and um, yeah. you know, there's hatchery fish blended in, so it's a it's a nice mix. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think though that being said, um, mm-hmm. and Larry and I had some conversations recently. I mean, there are problems in the Great Lakes steelhead fishery. There's no question about it. Um, and you know, they, they're problems that could get worse with uh, um, you know global warming and um, you yeah. know, like like. Larry has even said on, you know, even on some of the Ontario rivers that, you know, they're getting, you know, the, the, that they're getting close in the summertime to a point where they might not be inhabitable, you know, by, by first, by power and smolts during the course of the year. So, I mean, that's, well, that's certainly one thing that could be troublesome going forward. And I know there's other, you know, in Michigan, they're having some issues with, with uh, steelhead numbers and, that could be both fishing pressure and it could also be uh, warming as well. So, um, you know, so I, I, I think uh, overall, the, you know, there's some really healthy populations, but there's some 
there's some troubling trends as well. Yeah, things to work on, you yeah. know. I mean, uh, yeah, fair. I mean, it's good to it's good to see, you know. There, there's obviously good th- things to, that are happening, but there's always stuff that we have to work on. And I mean, gl- climate change yeah. is a huge one. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I mean, with that said, that's pretty much the show. We've got five more questions, though, Rick, that we ask every okay. guest on the show. Um, fair enough. So these are these five questions. Yeah, we we do it to every single okay. guest, and they're kind of just more. It's kind of generic, general, kind of all encompassing sort of fly fishing questions i'm sure he's heard um, of them so we'll ask you those right right now <laughs> mitchy's fishies five is what we call them it's really stupid that's all right know. that's all right sounds um, good i'm ready <laughs> okay all right so the first question is uh what is your favorite fish and why if you had to pick a favorite fish what would it be oh that is tough that is tough i mm-hmm. i i would say yeah i i'm i guess i would really have to be partial to to steelhead though um, you know, yeah, and, and, right and I would say that's both, you know, West coast and, and great lakes. I wouldn't say again, like I say, I kind of yeah. lump them together anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I can only, I mean, I, I gotta tell you how, you know, troubled I am by the, the news from the West coast. Yeah. And, you know, it's really, um, I, I think there's been times this fall where I, you know, kind of felt like I was mourning a bit. I just hope it doesn't, you know, get to that point where there's, where I just hope we're not at a point in overturn. Cause that would make me, uh you know, very sad, but, um, yeah, I, I would say that that's yeah. probably the fish that the, the fish in the pursuit that gives me the most joy. That's awesome. Just to touch on that for a moment too, the BC thing. Do you think we're doing like, is enough being done out there to, to help, uh, returns? You know, I, I mean, there's so many, issues, I, I just right? think, like it's hard, I, I think that the issues are big. I mean, j- again, I just hit a, hit yeah. a discussion. I bring them up again, but I just had a discussion with Larry the other day. And I mean, you know, it just seems like yeah. the issues are, ocean driven and they're you know they're big and um you know some of them are maybe within you know management control and some of them are you know probably got to do with warming and uh yeah you know it's just a matter of whether the fish are going to be able to adapt to that or not so i don't know is enough being done Uh, you know probably probably not but uh yeah um you know just a matter of how much can be done and we're you know hopefully it's going to get more attention going forward mm-hmm. yeah 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 it's it's yeah like you say climate change i mean we're, we're kind of a lot of these issues are beyond just yeah you know regional management right it's like yeah. have serious huge issues yeah yeah well steelhead is a great answer i love steelhead yeah, i totally get it yeah it's great yeah. um okay so number two of mitchie's fishies five is if you could fish anywhere in the world right now assuming the fishing there will be amazing where would you go and why um i think i i think i don't i don't think there'd be much question i would want to go to kamchatka in russia and, and fish for steelhead oh, nice. i think mm-hmm. if i you know if oh, i yeah. if every all all things if i could just get transported somewhere right now i would say that would be it yeah and you've done it before no i haven't my brother did though my brother oh, yeah, jerry very, jerry yeah. uh ran a camp there for six weeks um, back in like 1997. <laughs> yeah, and, amazing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah, go, Mitch. It was hardcore. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, that'd be a heck of a destination. Do you have any plans to try to get over there once the it's world's a, it's on my It's on my bucket list, but so are about eight yeah. other eight or nine other pretty exotic totally. <laughs> trips, so we'll, we'll see how it uh, pans out. Totally. Yeah. Oh, no, that'd be, that'd be crazy, yeah. man. Can you imagine swinging for steelhead camp? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that'd be awesome. 
Um, okay, number three, Mitch's Fishies Five, is what is what's one of your best or favorite fishing memories ever? And we kind of had a fishing memory story earlier, but one of your favorite just all-encompassing <sighs> fishing memories. I, I think if there if there was a oh boy I'll tell you that's that's a tough one though I've had so many good ones with my brother. Um, yeah. I will I'll say though if I had one day that sticks out in my mind, um, I, there's a, a I have a friend of mine that uh, that that lived in Montana I, I met him here in New York, and. Um, he uh, passed away. He had cystic fibrosis, and um, he lived about as long, you know, pretty uh, about as long as you can live with that with that disease. He lived; to, he was about fifty. And uh, but we we would hook up in Montana, and then we would go to BC, and um, I'm gonna choke up. But there was a day where he was out, He was across the river. We were fishing. We were fishing at a lodge, and he was across the river. And I was on, you know, fishing on the other side, and we were fishing this run. And he was hooking up. He had a, you know, really good day. He hooked three or four fish on that side, and I hooked three or four fish on my side. And we were just kind of talking across to each other, and just, you know, we were on different sides of the river. But and I, I still see. I just have it so ingrained in my mind. I can see that day so well, and I can just see him over there fishing. And it's just, yeah, you know, kind of gives me joy when I think about it. He was a good dude. Oh man, that's a great memory. Yeah. I love that's that a great memory. Yeah, I mean that's you know you hit it like on the head. It's a fishing huge part of fishing is just yeah. like having fun with your your buddies. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Spending time on the water. That's awesome. Um, okay, number four, Amici's Fishies Five is why do you fly fish? What do you what do you get out of fly fishing? <laughs> what does it do for you? <laughs> I don't know. Some days I ask myself that I, you know, there, there are really, de- I, honest to God, there are days where it's just like, it's like, yep. what am I, you know, what am I doing with my life sometimes, you know? And, and, you know, why am I, why do I do this for so long? And, you know, totally. I, I just think that, you know, for me, it just, it's captivating. It's, you know, I, it gives me something to think about, um, you know, all the time my wife just complaining, you know, you think about fishing all the time is what <laughs> oh yeah it's like yeah yeah, yeah i do i'm yeah. thinking about fishing right now even while you're telling me that <laughs> and yeah. uh but i i just think it you know it, it, like i said it it, it gives me it, it just keeps me engaged keeps my mind engaged all the time and uh i just love being outside and i love being outdoors i like just the challenge of trying to figure it out you know, just that constant drive to whatever's in front of me or whatever type of fishing I'm doing, just trying to figure it out, try to, you know, you know, make it right. Yeah. You know, and, and just, but, but I think the thing about it is, is really when it's, when it's feeling, when it feels good is when I'm relaxed and, you know, can kind of get away all of the pressure and anxiety of the day. That's when it really means something to me, you know? Yeah. Totally. Do you ever have to, do you ever find yourself having to kind of force yourself to do that? Sometimes I'm on the water and I like forget I need to relax. I'm just like, I'm thinking about all the stuff. And then as soon as I'm like, forget about yeah, it. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, there's nice. definitely, I mean, sometimes even what I'm doing, you know, will get me a little anxious. Like I'm thinking, oh, should I go to that pool yeah. or, you know, where should I go? Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and, and, uh, you know, should, what should I fish? Should I fish, you know, 
high, low, you know, you, you're thinking about it. And then sometimes you just got to step back and just say, pick something, you know, just pick something, yeah. believe in it and just do it, you know? And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, I think there are times where, you know, to get to that point where you feel relaxed and enjoying what you're doing, you got to sometimes, you know, most yeah. of the time it comes very natural, but sometimes you got to force yourself to do it. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, you're, if sure. you don't, you're for missing sure. the point. Exactly. Because, yeah. like, does it really matter? Yeah. You know what I mean? Does it matter? Like, <laughs> as long as you're fishing and catching something once yeah. in a while, like, everything's good, right? Yeah. No, I dig it. Um, okay, number five, and the last of Mitchie's Fishies Five, one of our favorite questions is if you were a fly pattern, <laughs> what would you be? What fly pattern represents you as a person best? And oh, why? boy. That's, a, that's an interesting <laughs> one. Um... Yeah. <laughs> Mitch, <laughs> he loves it. <laughs> I love this one. Yeah. It's just cool to see. We've had so many, you know, so many I, answers I, to this one. You know? I yeah. would have to say, you know, I'm not, I'm not a terribly flashy guy. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I, it would be something basic and pragmatic, like a woolly bugger, I think, you know, just uh, oh, nice, something right. that yeah. you can, you know, you adapt to a lot of different fish and species, and yet it's got some movement in the water and, you know. Kind of, yeah. kind of looks yeah. lifelike. Yeah, that's what I would go with. Is there a specific color? Any specific color of this woolly uh, bugger? There's a lot of woolly buggers. Brown catches everything, as far as I'm concerned. Man, a brown. If you, if my, you know, if my yes. life depended on it, I, you know, if I was uh, shipwrecked somewhere and I had to catch a meal, if I had a brown woolly bugger, I'd feel pretty good about it. <laughs> yeah, you know? no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I love that. No, it's great. You know, woolly buggers. Uh, it's true. You know, and a brown woolly bugger too. We've we've never heard a brown woolly bugger so. Surprisingly, we've heard a lot of other Oli Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of uh, yeah. Such a good pattern, but, man. Oh, it's the best. Such a good pattern. I'll tell you, it's one of my, I, I'll, I'll say it's a dirty little secret for my steelhead fishing yeah. is, um, you know, if, if I can't get them on a bigger, you know, bigger pattern, bigger tube fly or something like that, put a little brown woolly bugger on and usually Damn. closes Boom. the deal. So, yeah. yeah. Boom. You heard it here yeah, first. <laughs> See, I've never done, I'm going to do that now. Yeah. I've never, I never thought it's about great that. Great comeback fly. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, Rick, thank you so much for coming to the show. And it's yeah. been like really fun chatting. Yeah. Yeah, it's been great. It's been great. Um, can I plug a couple of things here? Would love to. Yeah. We was going to ask if you have any uh, upcoming articles or books. Or um, yeah. Just a, well, just a few things. I mean, you can follow yeah. me on, uh, you know, listeners can follow me on Instagram and Facebook just on, you know, just yeah. at Rick Custage. Um, try to do, you know, a couple posts a week, keep things current. Um, yeah, I'm working on another book that'll be out. It's, it's actually a spay book that'll be out probably sometime in the end of 2022. And uh, oh, yeah, nice. the musky book and the steelhead book are out there now. And, I, you know, they're both very, very applicable to, the, you know, our local fisheries. So. Oh, yes. They're awesome. Yeah. Awesome books. And we'll put the links to all those in the show notes, too, Great. and your social pages as well. Excellent. Yeah. And uh, anything else? Is that, it? is that everything? I mean, that's a lot yeah, of stuff yeah. going you know, on right the, now. The it's one wicked. thing, too, is, um, you know, if you haven't seen it, is uh, Swing the Fly magazine. Um, it's, a, it's a website yep. now, and there's an annual book. And that's going to be coming out. The annual book will be coming out. And there's go, there is a, a piece I did in there on uh, Great Lakes Steelhead and kind of the state of Great Lakes Steelhead. I picked, like, five or six different uh, areas and talked about. Um, so I, I interviewed uh, Brian Morrison. Um, and uh, uh, Larry Halleck and uh, a few other biologists as well. So kind of an interesting Sweet. thing. So 
Oh, awesome. Man, how do you find the time to fish in all this? I mean, geez, Louise. Just got to do it. I love it. <laughs> Just Are you going to be getting up for steelhead soon, or uh, is it uh, musky for a while? Tomorrow morning, actually. Tomorrow morning? Oh, really? Yes, yeah, so I'm actually awesome. starting to guide. Yeah, I have some guide trips next week, so I have to go out and uh, Wicked. really make sure I got all, all my P's and Q's yeah. together. So I'll be out probably tomorrow and probably <laughs> out on Friday as well. Perfect. Amazing. It's going to be great. Well, we'll put, yeah, like I said, we'll put all that stuff in the show notes so people can find it. Just, just head to our uh, pod being there and you'll find it. Um, We'll post it on Instagram too, but uh, yeah, Rick, thanks so much. Thanks Mitch. Thanks y'all. Absolute pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah. Appreciate it. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Gills Fly Fishing International. Gills Fly Fishing International provides the destination fly fishermen with the best personalized trip planning and booking experiences possible. And they run FFI Magazine, an online fly fishing magazine with articles from your favorite fly fishing writers. The magazine is filled with tips, trips, and tight line stories to get you jacked for your next adventure out on the water. Visit flyfishinginternational.com to learn more. That's flyfishinginternational.com. Please leave a message after the tone, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Hey, Yilma, sorry I uh, missed you there. I was uh, really excited to tell you something um, something big. Um, all month for the rest of November, we've got a really special deal going on with Chums. Uh, so actually, if you visit Chums and you use a special promo code uh, SOFLY15, you can get a percentage off of your order. So if you don't have a pair of Chums and you don't know what Chums are, Chums are those amazing sunglasses retainers that clip on to the back of your sunglasses. But of course, Yilma, you know what Chums are because you've got all kinds of amazing Chums, uh, as do I, and they're an incredible product. So um, yeah, for everybody listening in on this message to Yilma, if you guys don't have a pair of Chums and you want to get a pair, um, use the special promo code for the rest of November. Again, that's SOFLY15, S-O-F-L-Y-1-5. Um, and use that on the Chums website when you're buying your order and you're going to get a discount. So get the heck over to Chums and get yourself something. It's not just on sunglasses retainer. It's, it's in the shop. Whatever you want to get, you get uh, you get uh, 15% off. So what are you waiting for? You know, get over there. Chums, chums.com and uh, get yourself a pair of chums. All right, Yelma? Um, sorry I missed you. And I hope whatever you're doing is fabulous. I hope you're having a fabulous day. Chums is also doing a special initiative from November 23rd to the 30th called the Week of Giving. So 20% from all sales are going to go to conservation groups, including Coastal Conservation Association, uh, the Wild Steelhead Coalition, and American Whitewater. Plus, there's going to be a 10% discount on all Chums items, all of them. So head to chums.com and take advantage of that promotion. Again, that's going to be between November 23rd and the 30th. Chums Week of Giving. Get the heck over there and get some sweet gems products. Oh man, Rick is like the coolest dude. Dude, he's he's the best. He was great. He was so soft spoken, so articulate, man, and he's just so knowledgeable. I, I love listening to him, especially the steelhead part, because that's um, you know, I'm always going to be a novice in fly fishing, but especially for steelheading. Well, you know, unless you go out there and, and do it, but you don't want to, right? No, I don't want to fish for steelhead, man. Because you're cold. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're all cold. You don't want to get cold. You like being warm and toasty. Cold as ice. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that was a great podcast. I really liked uh, getting a, t- a chance to talk to Rick. I wanted to talk to him for a long time. And, um, you know, steelhead season uh, is here. We're in the middle of steelhead season now in Ontario. And, and um, 
uh, it just felt like the perfect time to chat with him. I'm just looking at his book again. I got to lend this to you. Joe gave me this book and I read it a few mm-hmm. times. It's it's an awesome book, man. Like they go, I mean, well, maybe you shouldn't read it because you don't want to steal that. So, you know, I'll give it no, to you. No, I, I didn't. Just, it doesn't I mean, doesn't, like, no, my God. I mean, it's literally like, it's full of like technical information on how to fly fish for steelhead, great like steelhead and, and then the rivers we fish and the trips of the great lakes and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, it's a great book. And I mean, everybody check out, uh, you know, not just, I mean, if you could find this one, Fly Fisher Gay Lake Steelhead, an advanced look at an emerging fishery by Rick and Jerry. Uh, it's awesome. But, you know, Rick's got a bunch of books. So check him out because he's, uh, he's a great writer um, and uh, obviously a passionate angler. Um, I, I don't know, man. I'm excited to go steelheading. I don't know if, I don't care if you're not coming. Okay. But could you, could you come? Could you come? <laughs> I'll come. I'll come. I, uh, I'll come, man. No, I'm always gonna come. We'll eat some, ch- we'll get... eat some chili. Eh? I always, I always, yeah. But you know, Mitch, I always give a little bit of, uh, you know. What are you uh, looking at over there? You watching YouTube or something? No, sorry. You doing? I'm, a lot of Slack messages are coming in from my boss. Sorry S- about that, folks. Slack? Oh, you're on Slack for work? I'm on Slack for work. I have Slack. I've got. Oh, is that what you were saying about Slack? Yeah. Why does it make noise or something? I didn't hear it. Yeah, you have to mute it. You texted me. Oh, what's this? Oh, I just just sent me a picture. He's got his new uh, steel hidden glasses. You see that? Yeah, I saw unicorn that. Unicorn sunglasses, unicorn heart sunglasses. He better wow, wear those it on awesome. the river. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does look like Elton John. Something Elton John would yeah. wear those like crazy sunglasses. Um, no one can see this, so nobody knows what the heck we're talking about. But uh, no, we're still recording. Anyway, how's it going, Yama? <laughs> What's going on with you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. No. Uh, you know. Right on. That's crazy, man. Uh, I'm getting excited cool. to go out uh, fishing. <laughs> Aldo's not here. It's, it's, Aldo couldn't join us today. He's uh, he's uh, he wasn't able to make it, but uh, no. I'm sure we're gonna hit the water soon together. Yeah. Us. We're gonna go out. We're gonna try. I think we're hitting the water with uh, Mr. Ian Troop. I'm excited to go fishing with Ian Troop. Oh yeah, Mr. Ian Troop. It's always a good time with, go that, with him. With that yeah. m- master. Mag- magnificent master. Magnificent. It is the mm. October 12th uh, here. Like I said, we were recording this one a little bit early. Um, this is the Nov 15 show I'm really excited about. You know, when this comes out, we'll be like in Steelhead, and I'm excited because it's still, you know, kind of early here. I just and I were out the other day just practicing casting and, and swinging for the first time this year, and it was like 23 degrees. It was so hot. I was like, this yeah, is I'm whack. sweating right now. I got to put my air conditioning on. Like, Dude, I'm sweating. I am boiling right now. I got my window open. Yeah. Oh my Look God. at me. I'm dying. Look at me. I'm so hot. Uh, I can see your sweat. I'm about sweat. to go in the living room and just, I'm going to go in the living room and just freak out and just roll around the floor and find some ice. Just throw some ice on me. Just go. Boil, I'm boiling. Let's drink a, just crack Ridiculous, a bush. man. Pop some tops 12th, in the bush. Like, why is it literally like summer weather? It's, it's mid-October. I have no idea. It's not good, man. That can't be a good thing. No. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. What else is new with you? What's going on? Uh-huh. You working? I'm working. Back at victory. Yeah, working back at victory. Got some fact to fact or fishy designs to pull out. Uh, My bum. Factor fishies going up on the Instagram. Uh, gonna put those back up in the Instagram stories. Factor fishies. Yeah. Check we out do. at the SoFly um, Crew on Instagram for those factor fishies coming up. <laughs> But the fact fishies, uh, yeah, oh, we victory's got we, good, man. They're just oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. What? 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 Uh, nothing. 
You had nothing to say. That was it. Uh, nothing. Riveting, my friend. Um, okay, well, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, you almost dead tonight. <laughs> and all those on here, so I'm just talking to myself. Uh, love you. Good to see you. And uh, oh God, look at that. What are you making a crazy face for? God bless. It's good to see you. Good to see you too, man. Well, you're you're actually your video has been disabled due to internet quality issues. Your video is still recording, however. I think it's your. It's your video. Like you're it? really, you've been really blurry this whole time. I don't know what's going on with your. Oh, well, I need to um, reset my mode. Anyway, it's not very, it's not very interesting podcast conversation. I'll be talking about work and internet connectivity. So I'm gonna let everybody go here and uh, spare them of this absolute driv. <sighs> Um, thanks so much for listening thanks. again, Rick. Thanks for coming on the show. It was uh, an absolute blast getting to talk to you. Uh, you're a fly fishing legend, um, in these parts and, uh, and yeah, hopefully we can connect on the water. That'd be, that'd be awesome. And, uh, everybody at home. Thanks so much for listening. Um, that's it for me, Mitch. Yelma. That is for me as well. Uh, until next time. All right. Take care. Goodbye. <laughs> you can find all of our content at SoFly.ca. Reach out via email by sending your questions or comments to info at sofly.ca. Find us on Instagram at the SoFly Crew. Thanks for listening.